Go ahead and have a, have a seat. Take a couple deep breaths. Uh, as we start in the, like I said, kind of the second, the second part of the series that we're doing here at the beginning of the year, um, which is all about remembering, remembering the whys of life. Sometimes it's necessary that we we return to like return to the beginning or return to ground level so that we have an opportunity to remember why we do something. Why, why are we married? Why, um, why do we have kids or why are we parents? Why am I doing the job that I'm doing? Why, why was I called to do this? What was the purpose behind my, my calling? Because in the midst of, in the midst of the toil, in the midst of the hard work, in the midst of the, the, the tension, or just even over a longer period of time, we often forget the why. Why am I here? Why am I doing it? And when we forget the why, we get tired. And when we, when we forget the why, uh, we want to quit. How many of you have ever wanted to quit something that when you started it, it was like, this is why I'm alive. I have, all right, if you're not going to admit it, I have, right? I have wanted to quit ministry before. I have wanted to say, you know what? Enough of this. I will go, I'll go pound a nail. I will go, I, whatever it is, like anything. Like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And so, you, when you forget the why... When you get tired and forget the why, you, wanna, you tend to want to run away from the things that you know, God has called you to. And so, re- returning to the beginning is an important, it's an important discipline for us to um, take up every once in a while. And maybe, you know, maybe remembering the why for you is more like discovering the why. Maybe, maybe there's nothing to remember. Right? Maybe you were never put in a place of like, well, this is why I'm doing it. So maybe it's really just about like, I kind of got to fit, like I kind of need the Lord to speak to me about what my purpose here in this moment with this thing is all about. Because if He doesn't bring some like serious Holy Spirit wisdom, truth into it, then I'm not going to survive it. And so maybe it's more about discovering than it is about remembering. Either way, wherever, wherever you are, you know, the Lord, the Lord will speak into your heart. The Lord will speak into your life by His Word. The Lord will bring His truth to bear upon your circumstances as you, as you open both your physical ears and your spiritual ears to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. Um, so I, I promised that this week we were going to talk about the most important why, the most important thing to remember or to discover, and that is remembering the why 
of you. Now it's one thing to take a break and to say, okay, I need to remember why I committed my life to loving and living with this person in your marriage or whatever. I need to remember why I, um, why I felt or feel called to this specific line of work or to this relationship or to, be, uh, to, to raise these children. I need to remember those things. Those are all very worthwhile endeavors and we are going to get to them in this series. But we can't go anywhere with these questions if we don't first address the question of why you why you at the most very at the most foundational basic level that there is the questions these types of questions like why am i here not here at conduit but like in existence why am i here what is what really is the point of all of life? What is, what is my ultimate purpose? Like, the way that you answer those questions have, have massive consequences for all of your life. If, if life if you answer the question of like, what is the point of all this? If you say, well, there isn't really a point. You kind of live, and you do as best as you can, and then you die. There isn't really a point. Right? That has massive consequences to, the, to your relationships, to your, to your parenting, to the way you work, to what you do, to how you treat people, to your mental state of mind, to your spiritual... It affects everything. What's the point? If there is no point, then guess what? There is no point. Why do it? Why try? So, the way that we answer this question of why me, or why you, or remembering the why of why we are here, what we are doing, it affects everything else. We can't go further into anything without first dealing with this very important issue or this very important topic. Now, it's kind of, it's a little beyond the scope of what we're going to, what we're going to talk about this morning, but, um, but, but, but I think that we can all, or maybe we, maybe we can't, but I'm going to assume this morning that we can all stand on the ground that, um, that God has created us. That whatever you may think that your ultimate purpose is or the why of your, of your life is, is that you, you, are, you are here because a creator created you. That your, your existence is not an accident. That is not just some, some random biological process that happened and then poof, you're here, right? That there, was, that there is a, a deeper, um, more significant spiritual dynamic to, um, uh, a God, to God creating you. And if we talk about having 
a creator, then we must talk about us as creations. Now, um, <clears throat> I, I would consider myself like a amateur, like woodworker and builder at best, okay? I like to build things. I like to do things with my hands. And if you've been to my house or if you've been to friends' houses, the things that I've built for them, you might be able to see those and like see their imperfections and like you might say it's good or you might say it's bad or whatever, right? But I create things, okay? And you and I, we, we create things, like we, we build things. Um, so so there's, this, there's, a, there's an interesting thing about things that we build and things that we create. If I take, for instance, um, like um, a spoon that I carve or a cutting board that I make, right? I can take that thing and I can... I could put it on eBay or Etsy or Facebook Marketplace or whatever, and I want to sell it. And so um, I, I determine, like, all right, how much does the material cost and how long does it take, um, how long did it take me to make it and what is, like, the market value of this thing. And so, that, so then I set a price. And like, like any other um, online retailer, you get someone that, that sends you, they, they, try to, they try to negotiate the price down, right? Because they see the thing simply for its surface worth. Now, as the creator of the object, it is never going to be worth, it is never going to be worth more than or less than what I say it's worth, right? Because I created it, I know what went into it, it has, I know its ultimate purpose. I know its ultimate value because it was by my hands that it was created. And when it comes to you and I, the creator and only the creator of an object, whether it's a wooden spoon and a cutting board or whether it's you and I, the creator of an object always determines its purpose, and its worth. And if we try to use those things outside of their purpose or negotiate down lower than its worth, we, are, we, we, we may think we're, we're getting a good deal, but others cannot redefine the things that the Creator makes. The creator of an object always determines its worth and its purpose. And others may try to redefine what, the pur what your purpose is. Others may try to redefine what your worth is. But no one has the authority to do that other than the one that created you. Only he can define your worth. Only he can define your purpose. Right? So if you're, if you're looking for your purpose, if you're looking for a sense of worth in any other place than your Creator, you're settling for a lesser than plan for your life. You're, you're settling for a lower amount of worth than you were created for. Because 
God, the creator, determines who you are, what your purpose is, and what you're to do in life. And this is it. Listen, we're going to talk about these three things this morning. You and I. You and I were created. The purpose given to us by our Father in heaven. By the one who has created you and I. We were created for eternity's joy. with With eternal value. And for eternal impact. Now there's a theme running through here. We were created for eternity's joy. We were created with eternity's value. And we were created for eternal impact. Now, the... The, the core theme running through all of these things, of course, is that um, we were created in some way, shape, or form for eternity. Now this often is like an idea that is hard for us to grasp because we live so fully in the here and now, in the present, with the, you know, the, the current circumstances and the current consequences and the current situations and the past relationships and the, the past failures or shame or the, what we hope to be the, the future success living, right, with, with such a like, narrow viewpoint of what our purpose, our value, our joyfulness, and our impact comes from. But, but God has said in His Word that he, he didn't create us for these temporary circumstances or relationships or goals or purposes or plans. In fact, um, Solomon, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says that he has, speaking of God, that God has set eternity in the hearts of all people. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And He has also set eternity in the hearts of all people. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. That God has has taken an eternal stamp in creation and placed it upon us. He has set eternity in our hearts. Alright? And so when, when you live and when you work and when you strive for for um, like when you're working just to be happy. Right? I gotta get more so I can be more secure so that I can be more happy. Right? When you're, when you're working for things that create temporary value in your life like your your reputation in the in the like in maybe in the business world or even your 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 temporary relationships or your or your or your temporary worldly impact and you you hit every single one of your temporary worldly 
earthly goals and then you get to the end of those things and you wonder why you still feel this empty longing inside of you like this is all that I've ever wanted this is all that I've ever thought I ever needed all that I ever wanted to accomplish and I've gotten here and somehow I still feel like there is something missing it's because when we do not satisfy the eternal longing that God has set inside each one of us, we will always feel empty because God has not created us for temporary things. God has created us for eternal joy with eternal value for eternal impact. The reality is, is that in this world, right now, in the temporary, in the not yet, in the worldly standpoint, you and I are like, the, the, the word uses the, the term aliens and strangers. We are aliens and strangers in this world. First Peter um, chapter 2, verse 11 uses this phrase. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 11, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Uh, Peter here in his whole kind of epistle like, just continues to hammer home this idea that if you feel like an alien in this world, if you feel like a stranger in this world, if you feel like there's something missing, if you feel like there's something empty inside of you, it's because there is. You were not created for this place. You were not created to chase after temporary things. You were not created to chase after only worldly things. That you are not of this world. You are a citizen of heaven. Paul, Paul pounds this point home as well in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 18, he says, For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their own glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. That it is, it is that when we, when, when, when we focus on and when our glory is in our own personal power, our own personal glory, that, that's what Paul says, that your, your minds are on earthly things. And when your minds are on earthly things, your destination is destruction. But we, those who choose in Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to another place. 
and we are promised the blessing of that place. We are promised not just the, the citizenship of that place, we are, we are promised the blessing of that place. Paul um, talks um, also like very, very clearly about this. Second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 9. Paul says, However, it is written, No eye has seen. Listen. This is a word for you and us. For you and I right now. This is a word for the church, for those who trust in Jesus Christ. No eye has seen no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. God is, God is preparing something for you and I as citizens of heaven that no eye has ever seen, that no ear has ever heard, that our minds cannot even conceive of the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the very um, next letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says something on... Second Corinthians chapter five verse one. Now we know that if the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. That God, that God is building something eternal for us. Jesus talks to his disciples about this. In John chapter 14, where his disciples are all worried that Jesus is going to leave, and like he says to them, he's like, listen, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In my Father's house there are many rooms. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I am going to come back and take you with me to be there also. Even in the midst of our current earthly circumstances, God is working to prepare an eternal place for you that your mind cannot conceive of. You are not meant simply to be, hey Lord, where's my blessing here? Where's my blessing? My life is horrible. My life is hard. I can't, I can't bust out of these circumstances. I can't Find my purpose here, right? I feel so empty. He was like, you feel empty because you're chasing everything that you're not meant to receive. You're meant to fully receive the eternal gifts that I have prepared for you, that I am preparing for you, an eternal joy, an eternal blessing, not so you can make a name for yourself here and now, but so that you can have an eternal impact. Not just a temporary one. Folks, we settle for so little in comparison to the promise that God desires to be fulfilled in our lives for eternal things. 
We want good things now. God wants us to give us good things forever. But you see, even, even in the midst, right? Even in the midst of being created for eternal joy, with eternal value, and eternal impact, it doesn't mean that you and I, as followers of Jesus, are to be so eternally focused that we're no worldly good. We cannot be so eternally focused that we're, that we're no worldly good because, because God has given us a worldly purpose as well. Right? Because, because God, God does not create anything that does not have a purpose, right? All things are created for a purpose. Nothing, nothing was created without a purpose. Listen, I'm going to um, just lay it out for you really, really, really simply. As simply as I can possibly state it, all right? Perhaps the most important thing I'm going to say this morning, all right? So, everyone listening? I got everyone's attention? Do I need to say something really provocative so I make sure everyone's hearing me? Go Bills! Okay, all right, listening? Here we go. You were made to reflect and display the glory of God. That is your purpose. That is the purpose of your life. That is the meaning of your life. Well, that's not the meaning of my life. No. It is the meaning of your life. This is not a like, a, oh, that's good for you, but it's not really okay for me. No. You, know, you, don't, you don't understand what I'm saying. Okay? God has created every single one of us to display and reflect His glory. His glory. All of existence bears the purpose of reflecting and displaying the glory of God. All of creation is God-centric. We are not the center of creation. God is the center of creation and all things that exist, exist for Him. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, Speaking of Jesus, speaking of the Godhead, he says, By him and for him, all things that were created have been created. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created what? What? 
Read it with me. Through him and for him. The purpose of all of creation is to reflect and display the glory and splendor and majesty of the Creator. And until you begin to build a framework of your life around the purpose of bringing glory, reflecting glory to the Creator, you will feel empty. You will be running from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. You'll be running from job to job, from relationship to relationship, to hobby to hobby, to interest to interest, trying to find that one thing, that extra dollar, that one more business, that one more relationship that fills that spot in your life that you think you are missing, but until you grasp on to the truth of God's word that you were created for his glory and his glory alone and so that everything that you do needs to be on the highway of reflecting the glory of God that you will live in a perpetual emptiness of life. Even at this very moment, as I speak right now, from eternity past and into eternity future, all of heaven is fulfilling its purpose to declare and proclaim and reflect and display the glory of God. Can we all agree on the fact that whatever happens in heaven is probably the the right thing? Right? That that there's, there's not a whole lot of autonomy or individuality in heaven, right? No, no, one's, no one's marching to the beat of their own drummer, kind of doing their own thing. Everything that happens in heaven is exactly as God designed it to happen. Can we all just, for sake of argument, agree that whatever is happening in heaven is a good thing and the thing that God wants to happen, right? And the one thing that something happened in heaven that God didn't want to happen, right? He created another place called hell and there's a bunch of people down there that Correct? Okay. So, what is happening in heaven even right now? Well, the writer um, John writes in Revelation chapter 4 exactly what is happening even right now. Uh, For sake of, like, long argument, we could read the whole chapter, but John is describing the throne room in heaven. For lack of better imagery, I always think of when like Dorothy and everyone comes to the, the they finally get to Oz and they knock on the you know like on the castle door and the big doors open up right and then like the and it's probably a very sacrilege image but that's all I got in my head right okay and they walk in and like you see the throne room of heaven right in the throne room of heaven what is happening right now well it says the elders the angels right. Um, all of them, the, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and says, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power 
For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. What is the basis for their worship? They state it, right? The basis for their worship. The basis for their worship of God's glory is that He has created all things, that by Him all things were created, and in Him all things have their being. If nothing else, by virtue of the creative act of God the Father, the whole host of heaven falls on its face in worship and glory and honor to praise Him. This is heavy stuff. This is stuff that should not escape us in any way, shape, or form. Peter, perhaps the arguably the closest disciple to Jesus, when he writes his epistle and he's talking about, we've already read from Peter, but he's you know talking about, hey, we are we are aliens and strangers in this place. We are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. Like We need to be focusing on eternal things, even in the midst of our persecution, even in the midst of the, uh, the problems that we're facing. Peter is like, hey, look, fix your eyes upon Jesus. Right? We are not citizens of this place. And he says in, second, or in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people belonging to God. Listen, <laughs> why? Why are we all those things? That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. That the necessity of the citizenship test of heaven is that you may declare the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness and into light. Listen, we have been lost. We have been lost in a chorus of voices that demand that we create purpose for ourselves. That we create value in ourselves. That you gain your value from the health of your relationships or the strength of your family or the success of your business or the size of your pocketbook. Like, look at how, look at how much you have before you. Look at all the perp. And, and we hear people all the time say, hey, look, oh, you're feeling down. You don't have a, you don't have, you don't have a whole lot of self-worth. Well, just look inside of you and just see how, how good and valuable and worthy you are. You don't want to look inside of you to find any good thing. Right? If you want to find the good things, you need to look to Jesus. 
If I've said it once, I'm going to say it a thousand times. The only thing that's good in me, this guy, the only thing that's good in me is Jesus. The only thing. And so if you're looking inside for a sense of purpose, if you're looking inside for a sense of self-worth, if you're looking inside for any direction in life, you better be looking inside to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you better be looking outside, up to heaven, on the throne, whom the angels are worshiping, because there ain't nothing good in you except Him. See, we have been lost in a chorus of voices that demand that we create purpose for ourselves, that's focused on ourselves, and then we wonder why we're working so hard and reading every book that Oprah says we should read, and we are still left feeling empty and lost and without purpose or passion or, or like, desire. Because our purpose is to reflect and display the glory of God. That's it. Our pur- your purpose is to reflect and display the glory of God. Now, um, the super practical among us will say, well, okay, I got you on that, but that seems like an awfully like spiritual, hokey-pokey type of thing. That I'm just supposed to live reflecting the glory of God. Like, uh, how does that, what does that actually mean? I get it, okay? I'm, 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 I'm there on a lot of that, right? How do we actually bring glory how do we actually reflect the glory of God, display the glory of God in our lives? Well, I've got great news for you. You are in the right place. Okay? Because over the next few weeks, right, this shameless plug, right? Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about remembering the why in our relationships, right? Whether that be with your spouse or your kids or your friends or your family, remembering the why in your work or in your calling, right? And, um, and, and you know, for, for lack of a better term, right, those two things, like in our relationships and in our work and in our callings, right, those are like two humongous areas of significance in our lives that affect a lot of other things, right? But remembering the why in those things is like inseparably connected to the remembering the why of you. So, here's a shocker. Married people, your marriage, the purpose of your marriage is to reflect and display the glory of God. Do you know that? Parents, your relationship with your kids Your parenting, the purpose of your parenting is to reflect and display the glory of God. In your friendships, guess what? Reflect and display the glory of God. That's the purpose of your friendships. 
You know the purpose of your work life or your calling is to reflect and display the glory of God. I mean, there's, there's not like, there's not, it's not like a separate purpose for each different thing, right? Like, no, you, you, you were meant, your purpose is to reflect and display the glory of God. And so every single situation and every single relationship and every single circumstance in your life, the purpose of that thing is to reflect and display the glory of God in Him and through Him. All things were created. All things were created for Him to display His glory. And so over the next few weeks, we'll be discussing the why of those things. How do I bring glory to God in my marriage? How do I bring glory to God in my parenting? How do I bring glory to God in the place that I work? How do I bring glory to God in the person that I don't like? How do I bring glory to God? How do I bring glory to God? How do I bring glory to God? But for today, okay, we're going to talk about, like, at least in some ways, the three, like, three specific things. How do I bring glory to God? Okay? All right, Pastor, I buy it. I want to fulfill my purpose of bringing glory to God about reflecting and displaying His glory in my life. I want to do it. I need some practical help. Right? Okay. So, understand that we're, we're at the big end of the funnel right now. Okay? And we're going to be pouring things in the big end of the funnel for the next three weeks. So that when we get to the lower end of the funnel, at the end of the series, right, we're going to have built a structure or an idea of what it means to reflect and display the glory of God in all areas of our life. All right? So these are, the, these are the big funnel examples of bringing glory to God. So they're intentionally general, but specific. I'm going to start by saying that like, when Jesus answers the question in Mark chapter 12, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law? And what does Jesus say? Love God. Like paraphrasing, love God with all that you are. Right? And love your neighbors. These are the two most important commandments in the law. Right? So, I'm going to take loving God as an assumption that we're all going to make as true in what it means to reflect and display the glory of God. Okay? I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna I'm gonna say that we're we're gonna assume that that's a that that's a given. Can we can we agree on that? Loving God is a given on reflecting and displaying his glory. Alright, so so then where do we go from there if we know that loving God is an is a is a given, right? Um well um did you know that it's really, really, really difficult to display and reflect the glory of God in your life if there's people in your life that you hate? That you just can't stand? That you wish nothing, like, if you heard something good happened in their life, you'd be disappointed? Got any of those people? Like the people in your life that you got 
zero time for, zero patience for, zero compassion for, zero love for, don't want anything good to happen in their life, hear that something bad happens and be like, <laughs> you reap what you sow, buddy. You got any of those or is it just me? Is it just me? Okay. You must love others. You want to reflect and display the glory of God in your life? Guess what the most basic thing is? Loving others. We bring glory to God by loving others. By people, by loving people who aren't lovable. First John chapter 3 verses 14 and 16 coincidentally after we are done with this series between this series and Easter we're going to do a series on the book of First John. So we're going to be we're going to walk through the whole book of First John. So if you want to start reading First John is where we'll be. But First John chapter 3 Verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who does not love one another remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. First John chapter 3 verses 14 through 16. We reflect and display the glory of God by loving others. Loving the people that is easiest for us to hate. Number two, we bring glory to God by growing to become more like Jesus. We, you, will, you will reflect and display the glory of God by pursuing a growing relationship with Jesus. The reality is, this has been the experience in my life, is we don't drift towards spiritual health. We don't drift towards being more and more like Jesus. If we do nothing, we drift away from Jesus. So if you want to move towards Jesus, you can't do it by accident. You have to pursue it intentionally. You have to, you have to decide that becoming more and more like Jesus is something that you want. Is something that you desire. And so now we, we pursue it. 
Because you'll only drift away you won't drift towards. That's been my... You say, maybe that's not like, you're not going to find chapter and verse, but that's been my experience in my own walk with Jesus and in pastoring people for the last 16 years. We drift away, not towards. So if you want to bring glory, reflect the glory um, of Jesus, display the glory of Jesus in your life, you must... Um, you must grow to become more like Jesus. First, or Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Paul, Paul, um, Paul states his wish and his prayer for his uh, church in Philippi. He says, and this is my prayer, verse 9, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God, that you might be growing more and more and more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may know the will of God and discern what is best, be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Right? He lays it out there like, hey, my prayer is, is that you would more and more and more abound more and more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that the, essentially, so that the fruit of the Spirit would overflow in your life through Jesus Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of righteousness in a life of Jesus Christ. Growing in Jesus. Reflect. You think doing things like being loving and joyful and peace-giving and patient and good and kind and self-controlled brings glory and honor to Jesus Christ, reflects the glory of God, displays the glory of God, right? So as we grow more and more like Jesus, as the fruit of righteousness, as our life bears the fruit of righteousness, right? More people see the goodness of God, right, in our lives when we are growing to be more like Jesus. And we are then fulfilling our purpose by when people see us, they see God. And they see us and they see Jesus. And they see us and they see the Holy Spirit working through us. Number three, and finally for this morning, I know I'm keeping you late, I'm sorry, not sorry. Um, we bring glory to God by using our gifts and calling that He has given to us for Him. The things that God has gifted you to do, the things that God has called you to do, the unique person that God has created you to be. You bring glory to God when you use that uniqueness that He has given to you for Him. Two scriptures. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Um, Paul says, he says this, he says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Don't get confused here, right? 
Not created to be saved by the good things that you do. Right? Because the Scripture immediately before verse 10, Paul says that we are saved fully and only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But we were created not just for that eternal impact, but for worldly impact as well by being the handiwork of God created to do good things in order to bring and reflect glory to Him. And of course, back to 1 Peter where we spent a lot of time this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, 10 and 11. Each one of you, listen, each one of you, we're almost done, okay? Track with me. Each one of you should use whatever gift they have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You were created. You were made your purpose in life, the why of you is to reflect and display the glory of God. We, we, re we reflect and display the glory of God in many ways, primarily three ways. One is the what well, we have all assumed that we are going to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our soul, right? And the other three ways that we talked about is that we are going to love others. The people that we love to hate, we're going to choose to love to love. Okay? We're going to love others. We are going to intentionally work to grow, to become more like Jesus Christ. Allowing the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit, to overflow in our lives. Right? And number three, we're going to use our gifts and our calling in order to bring glory to Him. The why of you is inescapably rooted in God Himself. The value that He has placed on you. The gifts that He has given to you. The home in heaven that He has planned for you as you follow Jesus. The why of you is all about Him. The why of you is all about Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we bite off this big chunk this morning, Lord, I, I ask and pray that every purpose, every plan that we have tried to establish in life that is centered on us, every plan or purpose that we have worked to to bring to, to, like, to make us the center 
Lord, that you would that you would in your grace and gently we ask, Lord, tear it down. Tear it down that we may rediscover discover for the first time or be be reminded that the why of our lives is to reflect and display your glory in our relationships, in our work, in our homes, in our hearts. The why of us, Lord, is you. In Jesus' name, amen.